and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. And this week it is me and Daft Souls slash Shut Up and Sit Down partner in crime, Quinns. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm fine, Are you sure? Because you seem to have vanished off the internet because of just destiny. You have become... I am. Yeah, all right. So destiny. Um, Let's just get this out of the way. Okay. Because I'm not sure you've been able to do anything else. Well, I've been cho- I've been choosing not to do anything else. Yes, there's a difference. Okay, I'm not addicted. I just choose to submerge myself in an endless stream of one now, thing I... to detriment of everything else. Goodness, I wonder if we're going to have an interesting discussion though, because actually, like you, I also just fell in love with the beta. Although I'm not playing it right now, I'm kind of waiting to get a PS4, mm-hmm. and so now I've got this weird thing where I'm seeing all the negative reviews coming in, and I'm sort of sitting back going. No, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, I, I've only actually done... Uh, I, I put up a little short video about Destiny yesterday on my YouTube channel, which was basically taking the piss out of the fact the story is total garbage. Um, <laughs> it's not even hammy. It's just so uninteresting and to the point of just being unbelievable. Um, it expects you to... You know how you play a game and it has that thing of being like, oh, yeah, Tommy, you've got to save your girlfriend. You're like, I don't fucking know his girlfriend mm-hmm. is. It's like that on an intergalactic level. Well, yeah, this is the thing that your video nailed is that everything is kind of sort of really uh, abstract nouns. You know, it's not your mum, it's the traveller. And yeah. it's not a computer, it's an archive. And it's like not... Every step has been made to remove you from anything you might connect with. Well, it's also like, it's just the fact that it's constantly telling you, like, everything is, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. You're not going to believe this, Guardian. It's like, to be honest, up until yesterday, I didn't know that we were going to have colonies on the moon, Mars, and Venus. And I didn't even know until, like, uh, towards the end of the game, I'm like, oh, is this a new alien race? Well, there's, a four, there's four alien races. Like, I'm surprised by that. Like, it's expecting me to, like, be amazed by revelations but what in are a the world rev- that I don't understand. Wow. Like, the Mass Effect that are really good job of not doing that yeah by basically being like here's a fucking weird thing you just got some mad flashbacks well it did the it did what star trek was quite good at which is when the crew react with horror they give you a sort of linchpin to connect you to that as well yeah. like this crew member who you know and love oh they've turned into a murderer yeah uh, but with destiny it's just the sort of you know dinklage the dinklebot scans the device and then comes back to you and goes you wouldn't believe what i've seen yeah, that's it <laughs> it's amazing it's like the I mean, the, the, yeah, the big comparison with sci-fi op- shiny opera was for me Mass Effect, and the way they did that with the Reapers. Oh, what was it Reavers? Oh no, it's Reapers. Reavers. I always get those two mixed up. From oh, Firefly. Reavers from Firefly. Um, but the Reapers, the way they did that, being like, oh no, the Reapers aren't real, and they're like, well, there's one here, and the, the fact it basically it they were shrugged off as just being a fairy tale. And it wasn't really brought up as a major plot point initially. Well, now, see, what you've already done there is you've named the concept of fairy tales, which I'm not sure Destiny even has. Well, that's in the story. He just sort of goes, oh, the Vex have, the Vex have been... Well, but this can't be right. The Vex have been on Mars for millions of years. I'm like, yeah, have they? I don't know. (laughs) Which ones are the Vex? Are they the ones we shoot in the stomach? All right, cool. But the thing is, I don't actually give a fuck about any of that, which is weird because most of the time, if not all the time, the reason I play first-person shooters now is for the story. Uh, Yeah, what I'd compare Destiny to more is, uh, God, I remember on a press trip with uh, fellow Darth Souls attendee Gav Murphy, inexplicably, we just got to drive a really nice car. Didn't even have to write about a game. Um, it, and it cost 80 grand and I will never drive anything as nice but that's what Destiny feels like to me it's not about a story it's about sitting in a shiny vehicle and sort of going oh look that knob that knob lights up when you touch it try touching it and then you touch it and it lights up and it's just such a sort of uh, aset- aesthetic pleasure that's the word that's initially what drew me into it and it's there are moments of that that keep me going oh that's really pretty but I think that 
what I always find with uh, these sort of things, these next gen things, you, you get absorbed by that. And you're like, oh, it's so gorgeous. Um, but after about half an hour, you just, apart from occasionally going, that's quite nice, isn't it? You just don't care. Well, arguably, an interesting thing then is like, take another game where people don't usually care about the story, which is, say, Gears of War. Mm-hmm. Gears of War was easier to complain about, I think, because, you know, there are actual cutscenes which are long and, you know, there is sort of revelations forced in your face, whereas Destiny is just seems really smooth. Oh, no, there are there are cutscenes. Oh, okay. And that's actually one of the things that... <laughs> it's one of the few things that really annoys me about Destiny is that it doesn't let you skip the cutscenes, even if you've already seen them. Okay. So even if you start a second character, you have to watch all the cutscenes again. Is that if you maybe play, if you're on multiplayer and players don't all want to skip a thing? No, no, no. It's just you can't. You can't skip them. Okay. It may be one of those things where they've embedded the loading or something. I don't even know. I do have sympathy for that because I know if I was a developer and I spent four years working on a game, the players are not skipping the story. Well, I put a tree in the background specifically <laughs> so it would look dramatic. And That's no. all very well, but if they want to do that, then they should have put a story in it that wasn't total shit. Okay, fair <laughs> because point. I'm more than happy to just go, I don't care about the story. And that's what I've been doing. I've just been like, I don't care. But then it means when there's a cutscene, I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, I've decided that I do not care. Well, now, see, what we're doing here is we're doing what all the reviewers of Destiny did, which is list all the ridiculous problems. But that doesn't stop you or I. Or- oh, no, no, because that's the thing is I still think Destiny is fucking fabulous. And so do I. Um, and it's fabulous because, and I think this is maybe one of the things that reviewers have struggled with, perhaps, is there are lots of ways you can get down to the nitty gritty and talk about all the things it doesn't quite get right. Mm-hmm. But the one thing it really gets right is shooting aliens in the head. Right, so you, when I came in, you just had a revolver out and you were headshotting you're damn right aliens I over and, and over. damn right I was. And you're having a great time. And see, this is funny to me because the darling in the press at the minute is uh, desert golfing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've played this. No, I haven't yet. I've seen screenshots. <laughs> it is an iPad game which is like laughably simple, kind of in the Flappy Bird school of just, oh, this is so simple and so beautiful. And it is just golfing. It's a really simple golfing game and it sort of randomizes holes. And yet the thing is you can never reset it. So that's the hook, really. It has thousands of holes, but if you really screw up hole seven, there's no going back to hole one and it keeps your score permanently. So if you have a really good hole, ah. you go, oh, thank God, that's lowered my average by 0.01%. And so it, every time you pick it up, it's emotionally exhausting or exciting. But it's funny to me that that has a parallel with the way I saw you playing Destiny right now, just loving shooting people in the head with a revolver over and over and over again. And yet Destiny tries to do more and we lambast it, whereas Desert Golfing tries to do almost nothing and we call it perfect. Well, it's it's weird because I guess the problem is in review, there's not much more you can say about that. Now, I can explain why. I can explain to you why it feels good to shoot things in the head. The, the gun sound effects and the gun animations are brilliant. Uh, and also they've, they've done some clever stuff with the hitboxes for the heads. They've kind of made it so it has that weird thing where you can kind of aim maybe slightly above the head or slightly to the left yeah. or the right, and it will register as a headshot. And I don't know how they've done it, but that seems to also work in the multiplayer, which makes me think, okay. Well, Halo always had a slight bit of invisible auto-aim, didn't it? I think so, but it, I mean, it has that in this, but also like, it's fuzzy. It's fuzzy enough that you don't ever go, oh, come on, that wasn't a headshot. <laughs> but it's in that right sweet spot of it makes it so, as you saw, I was just swooping around shooting everything in the head. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. But also, I've been playing with that revolver, as I said to you earlier. I've been playing with that same revolver. It's not even like revolvers. I got a blue rare revolver, and I've just been using that weapon in both multiplayer and single player for the past three days. Yeah. So it's not even me being like, this is a good shooter, I'm enjoying the guns. I've just been walking around in circles, shooting things in the head, 
with one gun <laughs> for three days. And at not not once during that time have I thought to myself, oh, it's getting a bit boring. Yeah. And that's mental. But the thing is that there are lots of complaints about it, but I, I honestly think that a lot of the complaints about it are to do with um, both the nature of the game and the nature of how it's being played. Yes, this was interesting when you were telling me about it. Yeah, because I'm really fascinated by this because lots of people are like, oh, it's really repetitive, it's too much of a grind. And I think there is some truth to that, but it's mainly due to two factors. Uh, first of all, obfuscation and the fact that when you get to level 20, nobody really knows what the fuck you're supposed to do. And if you don't have some guidance, if you don't have somebody being like, well, this is the best way to approach the game now, mm -hmm. you will spend hours doing stuff that will not get you much yeah. at all. Like I've, I've managed to shoot from level 20 to level 24 in about a day, uh, where I know loads of people have been stuck on level 22, 23 for days and days. And it's just that's because you have to kind of do some research. You have to look online and speak to other players and work out what you're supposed to be doing. And Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we praise Dark Souls for being arcane and weird and players need to talk to themselves. And Destiny... It's just not what you expect in a game like this, though. I it's think that's the not, problem. But it is hinted at by... The, or at least it works well with the art design. You know, the map screen, which is strange, and the music is very strange, very <laughs> strange. And so when you play it and you sort of... These things are hidden, it doesn't necessarily feel like bad, bad game design. It just feels Byzantine, like the world. I don't know. I mean, I kind of do think that. And I, I, there are, I don't know if it's today. deliberate. I'm just saying it works well. I think well, it doesn't quite work, though, because the thing that Destiny kind of trips up on a little bit, I think, and it's, it's fair for criticism, is that it almost, because it's trying to be something that's really accessible, it doesn't feel like they're leaving this for you to discover. It feels like they're ashamed to show it. <laughs> it feels like they want to provide gamers who are really into this shit, like, no, I'm really into this RPG shit, to, with all of this interesting depth and this like long-term playability um but it also doesn't want does the people who are a bit freaked out by that stuff to see it it's like no come back come back it's still a fun shooter well i and think it's, it's it's really hard and plus you know when you're working in a studio that big you know communication is so hard it makes sense that maybe some lines get crossed and not everything's as clear as it should be that doesn't seem like such a cardinal sin it's not no it's not a cardinal sin at all and it's stuff that they can easily fix and I'm sure they will um, but it's just interesting because basically the way it works it's people are complaining about both sides of it basically and there's actually a degree of irony with both sides being well there's irony with the complaints and the fact that a lot of people complain about the fact that Destiny doesn't really pick up at first and it's really slow and it has quite a like kind of uh, you know more casual player oriented beginning in fact it's like you unlock your abilities very slowly mm -hmm. and it takes you hand holds you through stuff very very easily but then when you get to the end of the game the opposite thing is true and it, it hides stuff from you so successfully that lots of people who've been complaining about how the beginning of the game was a bit too easy and a bit too slow don't even realise the stuff that's going on in the end game huh. because they haven't researched it enough so it's this weird thing where it's like I don't know, it's, it's impossible because I guess the problem is it's like any... It's not even really an MMO. It, it resembles, mostly to me, resembles Fantasy Star Online or Diablo yeah. in the fact that it's not about um, having this big world to explore and it's not about having this, this sprawling social experience where you you know stand and talk to strangers and do all this stuff. It's about doing the same stuff over and over again just because doing the same stuff over and over again is really enjoyable yeah I think well we can probably agree that it's a good example of like the failure of modern reviewing structures and then like trying to put a number on a game which is so relaxed and is so much to do with your friends and is going to not quite provide 
what you expect. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, at first I kind of felt like when I looked at a lot of the reviews, a lot of the reviews, for those of you who don't, maybe if you don't listen to it, if you don't read that many websites, a lot of the reviews for Destiny have been quite low, a lot of sixes. I mean, it's not like low, it's not bad. Yeah. But it's, the problem is that if people say, oh, why does people think six out of 10 is bad? It's like, technically it is above average, but in the culture in the world of how they Metacritic use, and it's bad. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly, at first I was like, well, maybe these people have been playing a game on their own. Because when I started playing, I was playing with other people. I was having a lot of fun just roaming around with other friends or strangers doing stuff. But actually recently, mainly because of the fact that I've been playing in the day where basically everybody's working, right? Because I've been taking a bit of a break from work recently. Yeah. So I've been like, well, fuck it. I, if I'm not going to work today, I might as well sit and play video games in my pants. It means I've been playing it on my own. And I kind of thought to myself, maybe I'm going to start having a negative time with it and feel like the reviewers did. Um, but no, I, re- <laughs> I really enjoy it. I think that it, it definitely ends up being really divisive. Like we were playing with Brendan, another shot of I was playing with Brendan, another shot of Sidney, and he couldn't stand it. Like he he just loathed it. And I've seen uh, some other critics I follow on Twitter who you know, well, they who even haven't reviewed it but just hate it. Yeah, yeah. But it's got that desert golfing thing for me, where if you end up locking into the the way that it expects you to play, the sort of drifting through the game. You know, it's like it all comes down to that jump animation for me. It's like when you've leveled it up, you jump and you just glide. And it's not that's this, this is the thing. It's not even an animation. The jumping mechanic is fantastic and it's so clever. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is everybody's playing this and they're going, "Oh, it's a bit bland, isn't it? It's a bit basic." It's like, "No, it's actually not." Like this it needs work, and I'm hoping that they start to to sharpen up some of the things that need work in future content and future changes. But the way the jumping works, right? The way you double tap it, it reminds me of Joe Danger and the fact that it's like <laughs> the timing of how yeah, you double tap. It entirely changes whether you go vertically upwards or you glide yeah. horizontally for a long time. And that's with the initial tap, right? Then you can, <laughs> you can basically, you can double Tell tap. Tell me more. You can double tap to leap yourself really high and yep. like double tap quickly and there's a certain timing and you'll get maximum height. I've actually tweaked mine because as you level up, you get modifications. Mm-hmm. So mine, I've decided that instead of having an even glide, I have an initial burst of speed with my movement. So I'd like it's more evasive, basically. But then afterwards, it's a bit slower. Okay. So it's like a subtle change. Uh, but I like that because often, and this is the thing I've noticed about the game, a lot of people talk about the fact the AI isn't very good. And it's not on the beginning because when you're playing on the basic difficulty, it doesn't feel like a game where it's supposed to have this AI thing of people flanking you and hiding behind cover because you're a man with a fucking jetpack. You're just flying over people's heads. Like, I don't even know how you program AI against that sort of stuff. But um, it's more the fact that it's like you have, because of that nature of that, because it's not a cover shooter, you're not, you're, you're often dealing with enemies. There are a lot more enemies with mortars and grenades and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it has this tendency of rather than having the, the traditional um, shooter, well, traditional monsters, mechanic of whenever you're under duress to just kneel behind something no it's not about that you, no, never, it, you, you never stop move you never stop moving which is important you have to on the harder difficulties sometimes there are points where you have to just go and you have to do a running slide to get behind cover to get your health back yeah but very often you find yourself pinned down you see something coming towards you that's going to hit the ground next to you and cause a lot of damage you have to leap into the air and you have this constant moving thing of being like, the problem is you need to leap into the air with your jetpack to avoid this attack. Yeah. But by doing so, you're going to be open to new attacks. Which takes us back to what was great about Halo with, you know, sort of grenades and melee and ranged combat being the sort of three points of a triangle. It makes such a weird counterpoint to Titanfall in the critical scene because Titanfall got nine out of tens, ten out of ten. And nobody played it. And all the journalists I know played it for 24 hours and went, this is amazing, and then never went back to it. And yeah. Destiny could not be more of the reverse. It's getting these low scores 
and the friends I know who do play it cannot put it down mm. just for days and weeks and more than that Bungie have clearly structured it they're holding content back they're leaking it in they want you to play for months on end it's like they've definitely they're catering for an entirely different audience it's so weird it is really weird and I think a lot of the stuff um, is so geared up to the long game in ways that we don't quite understand like one of my things that I was thinking about that was a big problem is the fact that the way that the systems work is once you've leveled up to 20 you kind of find yourself in a bit of a bit of a, a, a crossroads you don't really know what to do it's like hey do some strike missions which are these hard missions you can play with two or three people um, or it's like hey you know play some PvP and actually PvP is a great way of getting really good stuff and I think a lot of people are maybe put off by that but I wasn't expecting to play PvP at all I've played a ton of it it's so funny that just about any game where, which obviously the PvP option the first going in for the first time you don't want to do it and then you do it once and you go oh this is actually amazing well, the thing I really like about this, and it's funny to see so many reviews slag it off, is it's only got four maps, right? So you've got four modes, but you've only got four maps. Which is not a problem. Like, well, it's such an easy thing to criticize, and it so doesn't matter. Like, the Counter-Strike servers I used to play in back in the day, which had two maps on rotation. I think it's actually good that it only has four maps, because the thing is, it feels to me that rather most games, and this is why I've been confused by lots of websites saying, oh, you know, have a separate review for the multiplayer and a separate review for, this, for the like campaign. In this game, after playing it for the time of play, I'm like, no, 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 these two are integral because you're supposed to be playing both. And I think a lot of the people who've hit a wall with it and find it's a grind have done so because they're not playing both. Yeah, that's exactly the same structure as Monster Hunter. People hit a grind in multiplayer or single player not realising that you're meant to be playing them both concurrently. Precisely. And that's the thing is you're meant to be playing both concurrently. And that would seem daunting in Destiny. However, they've managed to create a multiplayer system that is really simple. They give you four maps, which means even if you're a new player, you have a really short amount of time before you have an awareness of the maps. Like, and you're very comfortable playing yeah, with strangers. You're not, you're not just like, oh God, you're not like every map is like, oh, I don't know this one, I'm getting shot in the head by people... You have that initially, but you get over that leap really quickly because you've like, oh, I've played this map three times. I know it. And then you start to get a finesse for them. And it puts people on a more level playing field. Also, the fact that the whole superpower thing works really well, that rather than the Call of Duty killstreak thing of being like, you've got to get this many kills in a row or, or fuck off, you're not having anything. <laughs> Everybody's super bar gradually creeps up and it'll go more quickly if you're playing well. But if you're not, you'll still get a super, which means even if you're crap, you'll still get that moment where you go and kill four people, like <laughs> even if it's once in a match. It's really smart, and it is actually, I think, a lot of people put off by it, but loads of people I know, myself included, who expected to just hate the Crucible and be like, nah, not touching it. I love it. And jumping between that and the PvE and, and the traditional stuff works really, really well. But even I've seen people complaining about the fact that you have to, to level up your equipment because when you start getting really rare equipment, you then level up your equipment with experience. Okay. So you stop leveling up at 20, but then you start getting like this gun, like you, you get for every experience you get. Yeah, we were talking about how it's like raiding at the end of WoW, where you're just after the epic set of armor. Yeah, but once you've got the epic, that's just the first step. <laughs> you, get your, you get yourself... Uh, you I mean, are in so deep, man. I am. That's the thing is, I'm, I'm fascinated by it, and I kind of... I, I, I played it and I was like, I started reading the reviews and I was like, no, I don't agree with these reviews. I don't agree with um, with the kind of overall sentiment. I agree with some of the criticisms, but I don't agree with the scores and I don't agree with the overall feeling. And I kind of think, think to myself, well, why? And I, I, I thought to myself, I wanted to find the real answer. I didn't want it to just be, well, it's bollocks, circular, shooting stuff in the head, and I like that, so fuck you. I actually, I became fascinated and I wanted to know is there something to this? Why is this good? 
why is this criticism not as on spot on as it should be? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, because of that, I've been immersing myself into it real deep. <laughs> okay. Because I do want to make a video about it and I do want to actually talk about it, but I want to make sure I'm talking about it in a way that isn't just me going, well, I like it. No, what you want to do and that what you are really good at and some other critics, you know, you wait, you don't do the review, but then you kind of, you do the tier above where you do a review, not of the reviews, but taking them into account. Yeah. You know, like you provide a definitive answer and they're like, well, that's, that's what I'm landscape. working towards, but it's like, that's <laughs> taking a long time. Yeah. And I never thought it would be easy. <laughs> like, fuck. But even stuff like, you know, I was talking about obfuscation. Yeah. Well, you know how in Pokemon there was that secret thing, the IVEV thing. I told oh God, you about yeah, this, yeah. Right? I think you were just talking about Mewtwo or something, but no. No, no, no. The fact there's a secret level of stats on top yeah. of the stats you can see yeah. that affects all that stuff. And that was like, okay. I mean, once you knew about that, you knew about that, fine. But Destiny does that a little bit because you have these things called the Grimoire cards and you, they pop up going, oh, you've got another Grimoire points, another Grimoire point card. And it says, go to Bungie.net to, to check them out. And I'm like, well, what is it? And I thought, is this like a Halo style uh, Bungie's? Well, no, I thought, is it Bungie's um, achievement system? Like, oh, okay. you know, I, I go and read some more lore. It felt like, you know, the, the very Bungie way. Oh, if you want to know what the story's about, then go to Bungie.net and uh, read about it. And what is it? Well, this is the thing is unlocking some of these Grimoire cards. Some of them are just like, hey, you've got this card because you've done this. But some of them are like, oh, you've killed a thousand dregs or whatever. And it actually has an effect on your game from that point onwards. And not just your character, your whole account, right? So you get certain things that will be like, hey, from now on, like um, all weapons of this type will level up more quickly. Wow. So if I get like 5,000 pistol kills, then pistols will start leveling up significantly faster across all accounts. And this is the other thing is lots of people complain about the fact that you have to go around collecting materials. And this is one of the MMO style things I'm not keen on in the open world bits where you can just go to an area and just roam around doing little shit missions. And they are a bit shit. They are just like, shoot these things, go to this place. It's proper MMO basic stuff. Albeit with combat that is fucking great, which is something in which no MMO, every MMO was said they've done. Every MMO is like, oh, the combat's great. And you play and it's like, it's not that great. But in this, it's fucking great. But anyway, um, a lot of people complain that you need to go and collect a lot of these resources and they're just little shiny things on the map. And some yeah, of them spin are, metal. Yeah, spin metal is impossible to see. I don't know if my eyes are broken, but I can't, <laughs> like when you go to the moon, it's amazing because helium calls these glowing orange things that you spot like a mile off because it's like the moon's fucking boring. It's like monochrome. It's like, oh, orange color. It's over there. But um, there's one of, the, one of the grimoire upgrades is, and I don't know what you have to do to get it, but it's like, it increases the quantity of materials you get from those points. Hmm. So instead of just going like one spin metal, you level it up and it'll be like two spin metal. And the next time it'll be like three spin metal. That sounds incredibly Moorish. Well, it's more the fact that it's like people are complaining about having to mine like 40 spin metal or whatever. It's like, well, I get the impression that it's, people are like, oh, this is a rubbish system because I have to spend four hours going around in circles collecting spin metal and it's like well no I kind of think the I mean, idea is that you you take it a bit easier and add, the more you play the game collecting those resources will just become way faster just yeah. from playing the game it's definitely it's not a game I'm a, it's a game I'm glad I didn't have to review you know it's like the horror stories oh you god about. I mean I, I don't even know how you do it like I, I didn't even understand the end game until I'd been playing the end game for about eight hours well this is what people want to see it's like you're the first review of destiny you know your site has to have its review of destiny up because everyone else has theirs up and it sucks and is lame even the fact that we haven't even seen half the content like i mean there's so much stuff like even the, the you know the lack of ai 
I, I like the shift in the AI because when you play on a normal map, it feels like the AI is purposefully dumb. <laughs> Enemies can't shoot for shit. They run out when they shouldn't. They run in fucking stupid ways. And it means it's a game that is set up for you to be able to leap in the air and shoot four dudes in the head <laughs> while you're landing. Uh, but then you play on the... Um, heroic mode you play on the harder difficulties and suddenly the enemies are more aggressive they're smarter they're more accurate and i've just seen on like when you get to level 28 you can start playing with a new difficulty modifier and it makes me wonder if like you know everyone's like oh destiny's crap because it doesn't have any of bungie's signature ai i'm like i wonder if it does but we just haven't really seen it yet mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. something that once we become aware with the cat like it's the whole thing is bizarre because bungie like it's not an mmo and it's like, I kind of believe them in a weird way. I don't know quite what they've made, but I don't feel like we'll get a full measure of what it is for a little while yet. But I do understand the frustration. I mean, to be fair, if you've been sitting here going, I'm really fucking annoyed with it because it's, it's making me do this grind shit. I think, I think its biggest failing is it's like, it's, they've made so, the core loop of the game is so fun and so satisfying that they've created a desire to play Destiny the game itself in its current form and what the content available just cannot deal with. Wow, like how Halo was always able to provide, like mind you talked about Halo is just they made five or 10 seconds of gameplay and Halo was just an exercise in looping that. Forever. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like Destiny, maybe they've done the same thing, but because it's this kind of lounge shooter new genre, which is very relaxed and slow, it means people can't quite get their fix and they're just... Mm. They're reaching for it, but can't always necessarily get it. That's it, you hit it, and you're like, you want, you want more. You Which, want, but for you me, want that's, what, that's what the strikes were. I did a strike, and it was that really intense combat for... But the problem is, you play the strikes, and then the way it works with, with unlocking the gear, and this is, to be honest, this is one of the major complaints in the reviews, and I can see the frustration, is it's like, you want the next level of gear, you want more, you want to keep going. And yet, with strikes, it's like the only way to do that, if you're just playing strikes, and you're not playing the other modes, and you're not dossing around doing other stuff, it's just, pardon me, is just playing <laughs> the same strikes over and over again. Right. And there's like six strikes or five or six and you just play the same ones. Huh. So it becomes, then it becomes a grind. But it's like, I don't know, because the whole point, you, the whole reason you're doing that is because that's the only way to get these things that you need for better items and better gear. But it's like, well, I just sort of feel like, chill your boots. Because the way I'm playing it is the way I used to play... Um, Fantasy Star Online. Well, Fantasy Star Online in the way that I just enjoy the process, that I just go in, I zone out. If I want to play a bit something more intense, I'll play some of the multiplayer. Um, I'll go in and zone out and do some missions. But the way every day it does the thing that um, Guild Wars does, Guild Wars 2, of being like, hey, here's your daily stuff. So I think I honestly think that it's a game that's been made for people who just, who just have a couple of hours every night, maybe an hour. They just log on, any of their mates online... All right, hello, come in. And then, whoa, yeah, I'll get some bonus stuff for this. And people complaining about the lack of resources and having to grind for resources in the game. I kind of feel like, surely Bungie are going to account for that. And that means they're going to have things like, hey, this weekend, if you complete this mission, you'll get a bunch of these resources. Like, it kind of feels like, I don't know, it feels like Bungie are playing aiming for the long game and they're aiming for something that you pop in and keep playing for a few hours every week or maybe, you know, more. But people are still trying to do that launch thing of playing it for 12 hours a day. And it's just mm. not, it's not sustainable. And it's frustrating because you want to and you want to complete it, but you can't complete it. It's like, it's a conflict of interest <laughs> between what gamers want to do and what Bungie needs you to do in order to make their long-term game sustainable. I'm for it, generally. I like the idea of a lounge shooter, which is just kind of more interested in creating a world in a slow, steady stream of content rather than this adren adrenaline-soaked like 45 minutes that we have traditionally seen from an FPS. 
I think it's it's clever, and I think it's clever in a lot of the ways because of how it 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 redefines traditional stuff in in subtle ways, and I think also because it's like a lot of people have, have uh, uh, described it as being regressive in a way, in terms of the fact that it's like, well, it's not as in depth as lots of MOs, and it's not as accomplished and as deep as lots of shooters and I think those are both true but I, I like the way they've reset things I like the way they've brought it back and they've they've started with a new foundation of something quite simple and I think that not having all of this complexity and all of this baggage is actually really smart and really good and I just I, li- I like the foundation they've built and I like the fact that they've kept it simple and you know yeah, there isn't a vast amount of stuff to do but I'm interested to see the, how they build on it from from scratch. Hmm. Yeah, no, me too, me too. Speaking of um, building on it from scratch, something that... If, if we're ready to move on from Destiny to... We've spent literally half an hour talking about Destiny. I apologise, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm well into it and I'm fascinated by it. But yeah, we'll move on. No, it's an interesting one. I mean, I know you talked about this briefly, but um, I've been playing a game that's just got updated yesterday called Invisible Ink. Oh, I'll get to that. Yeah, it's pretty good, that's, huh? That's my excitement. Uh, yeah, no, it, and I know you talked about it. This is a, a sort of XCOM-style stealth game, but it's on early access, and actually they've they released they've released two updates now. Each one adding like a, a it's a big thing, you know. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they've added new enemy types, but they, it's all spoiler. Like I don't know quite what it's added, but um, in addition to tweaking the game and variables and adding a thing, I didn't even know that in <laughs> Invisible Ink the corporations you can attack on the world map screen have different names and that specs what the level generates. Like you ever go into an office and it's just full of robots. There's robots and lasers everywhere. <laughs> and so that has a name of corporation. Actually, it turned out they've changed it now, but people were just specking their agents and giving them like EMPs and all this computer related stuff. And then only meticulously bullying the, the corporation that used robots. But now they hide that. So you don't know what you're going into. That makes more sense. I didn't get that deep into it. Uh, no, but no, I mean, I loved it. I, mean, I didn't get that deep into it that I noticed that different names and stuff. I definitely knew that I sometimes showed up on levels and there were like no cameras and 400 security guards. So yeah, yeah I did, but I didn't notice either. But some people did. Uh, but no, so you're enjoying it, right? I love it. I really love it. Um, to the point that I've almost, I, I played it quite a bit. I was doing some streaming on Twitch, um, just playing it, learning it. And I knew early on that I loved it. Because I just saw all the moving parts, you know, and you just go, yeah, this is great. Uh, but it wasn't until the point where I was like, really screwed. that I was like, okay, no, I love this. <laughs> the point where it was like sitting and thinking like, how can I get this Asian out alive? Yeah. And I love the way that rather than in XCOM, like running away is a, is a failure, like... It's because it it's got a lot in common with XCOM, but in XCOM, does, like... But I think what frustrated me always in XCOM and what I think they've just entirely solved with Invisible Ink is in XCOM you go into a mission you do it to the best of your ability and that's that whereas failing a mission in XCOM is this overwhelmingly frustrating thing you're kind of expected to solve it with casualties or without in Invisible Ink you've kind of already lost like you just have to leave and it's about pushing your luck to the point the, I don't know, I've been quite cocky with it, but it's... No, I well, was, this, you yeah. can be cocky, but the objective is still to get out. It's not to solve... Well, you've got to get something in there. You, well, you do and you don't. I've definitely... I've lost campaigns in Invisible Ink because I arrive in a place and I'm not spec'd for it or something immediately goes wrong. Like, I, I'm, I don't know, hypothetically, like, I can't find a key and I've seen the elevator and I know I'm going to have to go back through eight security guards to... To find the right branch. Yeah. And sometimes, you know what? You're going to die if you try get... It's fine to leave. I, that's, that's what I loved about it. I love the... Um, 
the difference of being like, you know, XCOM, you're there to win. You're there to do it where the whole point is you are leaving. You are sooner or later you are leaving. Yeah. And it's not like you've got to finish the level, you've got to take everything, you've got to you've got to complete no, it. No, you just take as much as you, you take as much as you can get yeah. away with it. And then you leave. But I love that that proper like, I just felt like it was in a James Bond movie where it was like there was a point where I was like two people were waiting in the lift and the third person was coming, but the third person was so in deep. Like <laughs> security guards everywhere. They found a knocked out guard and I I managed to get her so far across the map, like Past all this crazy shit while they were just waiting <laughs> on the um, in the elevator, yeah. and then at the final point, I just screwed up, and it was like because it's not like an XCOM where it's like you can take a shot and maybe you'll be all right. And this is like if any of your team get shot by a guard, then they're down, and the only way to get them up again is to go over and use a syringe, which you don't even you might, you might not even, even have. have. Yeah. yeah, or like they might be on that character, so you have to run over to them and pick it up off them and then use it on them yeah. while there's all these guards walking around. And it was just that thing of being like, just watching her get taken down by the guard and just the other people just being like, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> just it felt like that thing of being like, we did everything we could. It's so, we, leave, we leave now. It's so mercenary. And you know what? It's so funny as well. Like, things you end up having to do. Like, it's almost, at times, it's almost like a sort of Charlie Chaplin movie, but turn-based in terms of like, opening a door with you on the other side so a guard sees you going ooh and closing it and then they come through and get tasered by like four of your agents at once or better than, better than that you know you do that and they walk through and you go to taser them and they're wearing armour so the taser yeah. doesn't get through and then you go oh no oh what have I done yeah I've used the wrong I've made a mistake <laughs> yeah I've, I've, I have made a mistake is the defining word of it in Invisible Ink. And that's awesome. Like, Mind you, I've had some missions where, like, I had a mission where somebody got taken out and I was like, oh. and it looked like the whole thing was screwed. Like, it looked like everybody was going to die, but I managed to bring back the guys to life and get past everyone and get out. Yeah, it's astonishing. And sometimes you do have missions which just go flawlessly and that feels great because you know that you made it through a gauntlet with God knows how much time. And I think the big difference, that I think I like most about it, is there isn't, Unlike with XCOM, where the whole point of XCOM is it's a roll of the dice, you know? The yeah. whole point is it's the excitement of rolling that dice. And the tactics are basically just ensuring that you always get the best rolls that you can. Yeah. And that's usually enough to win. Uh, but not without problems. But in this, that there is no there's no luck involved as far as I can see so far. No, there's it's not. It's all mechanical. It's like if you want to do this, it will cost you this. Well the great the best thing in it that they've done is added the peak button, which is a character only yeah, has yeah. maybe eight action points to run around with. But you can always peak. You can always peak. And it only costs you one action point. One action point. Just one, just one, Matt. One. <laughs> you don't even so surely but sometimes that one action point you sort of think <laughs> I might need that. It's but the thing is in the the difference between peeking around every corner in the game and through every door so you know what's on the other side, you'll be travelling at about 60 to 70% percent of the speed you should be. Yeah. So you just rapidly, if you get cocky or you don't encounter problems for a while, you just start throwing open doors and walking into a room and then it's got two cameras pointing at you and a guard. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, it's great. It's, and that's, but that's all the problem. is like, you know, if you, if you move through quickly and you get spotted, then the alarm rating will go up. Yeah. For those of you who haven't played it or seen it at all, basically the way it works is that the whole impetus for you getting out quickly is that on every level, there's an alarm rating and the alarm rating just naturally goes up in these big like chunky nodes it's like it's quite obvious it's like yeah. you know it will be four turns and then it will be like level one and then level two and at level one it's like ah oh, new camera's being activated and then level two it's like oh another guard's coming and it's fine at first at first it's like another camera whatever switch it off another guard whatever I'll avoid him but then it's like if you stay for too long <laughs> it's not sending in like elite guards and 
the thing I've noticed is really smart is the only way to get around that, the only way to, to continue to survive and do well is if you've managed, uh, when it gets like level six or level five, mm-hmm. is if you haven't been seen or you haven't knocked anyone out. Because knocking people out is always temporary and killing people is, you can Noisy get away with it. Ba- oh no, they all wear heart rate monitors. So kill yeah, so killing someone, raises the alarm. Although I did get a mod once to stop that from happening. Really? It's just like, can- I'm going to kill everybody. But then the ammunition. But then yeah, every gun has like two shots. <laughs> the thing that I wasn't expecting from it when people pitched it to me, which is, you know, grid-based XCOM stealth, what I was not expecting, and what I don't think we've expressed on Darth Souls before, is how fun the stealth is and how yeah it's not even like because stealth is a word that to me at least conjures up just frustration in so many games but with this the rules of it are crystal clear you yeah. can see all the vision cones of the guards you can tell whether they're patrolling or not by clicking on them and it is so generous when you are hiding like if you're behind a pot plant then guards will still not because you're you're James Bond yeah. guards can't see you from so many angles it took me a while to get that actually the fact yeah. that I was like I can't hide there they'll see me and it's like no you're James Bond <laughs> like, all of these people are James Bond so it's like if it tells you you won't be seen from that angle you won't yeah and that's ace but also the fact i love the fact that it rewards you for having a good memory so you have that thing of being like if you've if you've actually like if you know how a guard patrols you know how a guard patrols mm-hmm. but if you can see a guard and you don't remember his patrol <laughs> you can spend the point on your turn to look at his patrol pattern yeah and they'll be like oh he's gonna walk here and it's like sometimes i've done that and i've clicked on it and they'll be like i knew that i knew that <laughs> you just wasted a point there's a great mechanic as well which is um i have had things where I, I knock some guards out i leave a pile of bodies behind me actually my last playthrough the only playthrough which i've won um i've not won yet it was using uh the, it was a girl who who comes with um uh the step the syringe that lets you knock out guards for longer and I rapidly got more yes. of that. So I'd, I'd sort of taser a guard, then while he's on the floor, he would just go into a coma immediately. <laughs> but the, I had a great thing where my, my two girls running through the level and then they were coming back into a room and they opened, and where I knocked out a load of guards. And I sort of opened the door or something and I hadn't been paying too much attention because I was doing really well. And I was like, I could have sworn there were three knocked out guards in this room. I have a, wait, were there two? And then knowing I'm running through the level. But also what's great, you can always just toggle on running. It's a stealth game where you can abandon stealth yeah. if you want to risk it. Uh, yeah, you, you'll run, but you'll be loud. But actually even loudness isn't that bad. I assumed it was worse than it is. You can, loudly, running is just like peeking in that you can not peek on anything and run around and you'll probably be fine. But if you get a shot, you know what? You're an idiot. <laughs> like it's yeah. your own fault. I like the way the shooting stuff is really crystal clear as well. It's not terribly well explained in the early version of the game. No. But I mean, it's it's an early access game. So. Yeah. So how shooting works is for the people at home. If you see a guard and you have a gun, you shoot them and kill them. Or no, if they spot you and you can move out of sight. Oh yeah, there's that. Oh, square. I thought you meant players shooting. Yes. Of oh no, no, that's that's easy enough. But it's more like if you have to run more than one square before you get to cover, they will shoot you and you mm. will be shot. Which is funny because it means your agents naturally end up hating the middle of rooms like yeah you know you, you you've got these you know elite operatives running through a room and they just hug the walls they hug the walls and doors and desks and i, I just imagine the movie of invisible ink where people are like why, why do they why do they move like that and the answer is because if they see anyone they can vanish instantly yeah which yeah. is awesome and it is the great the fact that i love when you things do go wrong when somebody spots you and you're like oh i need to move i need to move and you quickly go okay well I need to leave this room right now. And so you just, you end up having to just run into a room that you haven't been <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. At yeah. one point, I think when I was streaming, where I just walked into a room and went, what the fuck is that? Because it was like this giant robot sentry I'd never <laughs> seen before. And I was just like, 
okay, I can't stay here. So there was a door across the corridor, so I just ran through that door, and it was like another one. Definitely. <laughs> oh, like, wow. <laughs> there was a, uh, I think my favorite moment in it was uh, having a really tricky level and getting through to the end of it, and it was my first time I'd seen a vault. And so, you know, you're, you're nickel oh, and diving yeah, yeah. through the whole game. You know, you'll steal the change out of a guard's you pocket. Get loads of money. And then, then you open this door and then it's like there are four huge registers full of unmarked bills. And then beyond that, and even more security, there are like Ming vases in glass display cases. And you're looking at it going, you've got to be kidding me. Because it's more money than the game has offered you in like the last two levels in one room. And then you kind of look at the clock and you go... We can't take it. We have to leave. When you discover that's like too late, you're like, we've got to go. We've got to go. But then you're like, no, we can do it. I have lost a campaign from being in that room for too long. And it's so good. That's the thing I've lost. I've lost a campaign from from doing something really similar. Just being like, no, I need it. I need it. It's so much money. No, we need to leave. Yeah. But it is that spy movie. That's the thing is for for a turn-based game. And I think that's why I, I think of it so much as being like XCOM because what XCOM did so wonderfully was it it properly recreated squad-based alien movies. Yes. And, you know... Like, you know, Rico's Down. Yeah, like Starship Troopers and all these... Like, it it properly just nailed that feeling of, like, saving the world. Every alien movie you can think of, you know, Independence Day, whatever. It's like, it's great. And by by being being a turn-based game, quite a slow game. And it's like, how how, that's amazing. Like, it doesn't have the... The in- immediacy of anything, but it, it gets it. Yeah. Whereas that uh, immediate um, invisible ink is exactly the same. It just by it just completely gives you the sense of being in that kind of in the moment. And then oh, listen, but it's speak this week. <laughs> <laughs> that in the moment, like intensity of like yes. like Mission Impossible or whatever. When they're like, you know, that <laughs> oh, that movie was fucking awesome. You know, when they like they realize something's going wrong with the job of Mission Impossible, and they all start going, and then the spies are like, hang on something's off <laughs> and then before I can realise what it is they're all just dead yeah right? it just goes south like so fast it gives you that sense of being like we need to leave now no it's so good and every single mission ends with everyone bundling into the elevator and because it, you've probably been doing your job you've probably left it to the last moment every level ends with go 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 get in the elevator yeah, get go, in the elevator go 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 so yeah. good so good and they're just bundling in new content like yeah like I said just this week got an update so yeah if you are into sort of, if you don't mind the early access thing or if you're so nervous about it, I'd say Invisible Ink is the example of how yeah. good it can be because they're responding to everything that everyone tells them and they're just evolving their game. They clearly kept some content back before they launched so they can do a fun thing now where every two or three weeks they go, hey guys, check out these new enemies we just whipped up. It's like, no, you were sitting on them. But yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I mean, lots of people are quite skeptical about uh, early access. That's one where I have no regrets because it is just yeah. like, it's clearly not finished but you have to play it for about eight hours to start noticing that it's a bit thin. Yeah. Which is like, but that's it, fine. It's great. Because after eight hours, you know, they introduce new content and suddenly you've got another four or five hours of playing yeah, it. Yeah, for me, it was very much like I played it and I was like, this is great. And then I thought, I'm going to take a break from this now and I'm going to come back to it when it's like closer to being done because it's very much a game that I'd like to like do a video series on, like maybe like similar to what I did with XCOM, just because I sort of think, yeah, this is robust enough and interesting enough. It's shorter as well. It's it is really shorter. nice and short. Um, but it's it's just really strong. And also, I will say, actually, you were mentioning earlier about uh, you said you're running through the complex with your, your two ladies. I oh, have the same combo. Oh, yeah. Because they have they have great skills. The, being able to hack stuff from five squares away is oh, really Oh, and being useful. able to walk through doors. Being able to walk free. through security doors. I've got to say, actually, it's a, it's a really... She's the one with the syringe. You probably didn't notice it. No, she does. I, I oh, yeah. Her. I'd be putting people in comas as well. Oh, okay. (laughs) This is my first coma rodeo. But no, it's a simple thing, but I really like the fact that it's like, 
because it is kind of basically a randomized, uh, procedurally generated roguelike. I like the fact that quite quickly from the start, it's just like it has a, an actual like proper 50-50 mix of, of cool male characters and cool female characters. Yeah. It's no, like something that you don't see that often in games, but it's like, yeah, well, we, we see it more in board games, don't we? That's the thing. We, well, yes and no. Board games are definitely, board games have the award of like having, there are some board games I can mention which have women in the cover, on like on the cover front and center with their clothes on. Like the a Pandemic, now the new edition has just a lady scientist on the front doing science. And there was another game, Dead of Winter has a lot of women in it. And, it, uh, it feels like that's. What I mean, it feels like it's, it's getting naturally uh, a bit, bit more progressive. Without, slowly and surely, yeah. Without people like fucking shitting bricks, which is nice. <laughs> well, actually, the thing I've, I was just writing for Kotaku about. Um, I mean, it shows you how the this is what we want. You know, like this. Yeah. It's like it's not going to ruin games. Actually, <laughs> you know, it's it's fine. I was just. Uh, in fact, I remember I've been obsessing over. I said I wasn't going to say this, but I've been obsessing over the new Final Fantasy 15 trailer, which is. Why my, did you not say that? Uh, I, I watched it. It looks cool. It looks amazing, and I've never been more excited for a Final Fantasy now for all kinds of reasons. But the one thing I will say is I saw someone mentioning on Twitter, uh, "Be nice if they had a female character," and it's like actually no, 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 no. We're not saying everything needs female characters. You know, there are movies which have entire male. There are plays that have male cast. That's fine. It's just. Currently, we don't have the option of, you know, sort of like more balanced, like actual games. And uh, Final Fantasy XV has yet four men in a car. But you know what? They've been designed with female gays, not male gays. They're all incredibly beautiful. One of them doesn't wear a shirt. His pecs are just out. They're all really beautiful, fantastically dressed men. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is like, I think a lot of people, when it's talking about his dad, go, oh, what? Developers supposed to spend twice as long doing this? Like, no, nah, it's just like for games like Invisible Link, when it's really not much more work to just do that. Just do it. Yeah. It's like, no one's expecting people to like make a version of Final Fantasy 15 where it's four ladies in a car. Well, that was X2, but not like an entirely balanced gender split of two ladies and two men. You don't have to do that. But Final Fantasy 15 does actually look ace. Yes. Um, as you said, like, I think you said it's like, oh, they've just nailed the idea of being like, hey, we just moving around the world in a car we just made a road trip movie the game yeah well it's funny because games always have a level and world structure and I can't believe it took this long for a developer to say hang on wait if we just put all the players in a car between levels then we can draw from all road movie fiction ever yeah and looking at the uh, looking at the trailer and just seeing four people in a car like Someone tweeted at me jokingly the best thing, half jokingly and half not, the best thing in the new trailer of Final Fantasy XV, which if you haven't seen it, is a party of Final Fantasy characters going around in a beautiful car. Like yeah. they're clearly exiled or they're on the run and one of them's a prince, but they all just, it's like a boy band in a car and they're just driving around. But the scenery and the dialogue and everything is just so beautiful. The, the things I like about it, I like there's a bunch of stuff I really like about it. There's the one that they've actually kind of, they've made the, the combat system appears to be kind of real time. And yeah. it's sort of like, not like Kingdom Hearts, but like the Kingdom Hearts um, uh, combat system was really, really good. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see that like Square Enix are like actually using that in another game or well, yeah. something similar anyway like they can do that stuff um, so I'm glad to see them doing it two the fact that the combat seems really different uh, and the way the characters move seems really different like Final Fantasy has always been about very rapid moving characters yeah. and he's like wow wow all very anime based whereas there's a slower more um, kind of measured yeah people have weight I remember there's some yeah. really interesting sword animations where one of the swords you can use is really big and heavy so it's really big and heavy and then yeah the character's stumbling it reminds you of Monster Hunter yeah, more precisely. than anything else That's and the then, thing. then there's these bizarre sort of multi-character animations where they're always grabbing each other and they're <laughs> pulling each other out of combat or weird combat animations that I noticed watching the trailer somewhere between the 7th and 8th time 
because what's wrong with me is he kind of pushes the, there's a bad guy like a faceless stormtrooper bad guy they're fighting and the protagonist kind of just pushes his face and he pushes the stormtrooper's face really hard so the stormtrooper's staggering backwards and then he kind of runs around him and hits him it, it's plausible. That physicality like, was something that made me fall in love with uh, Dragon's Dogma. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Last of Us, but yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I like that The Last of Us was a Last lot of more... Last of Us was more well-animated than cinematic. characters... Ha- yeah, rather yeah. than characters having that kind of curmudgeonly weight. It was it. the way that the, the Last of Us... Is, it was a combination of the, the camera work um, and the kind of... The combat, the melee combat itself gave that like fights, that really kind of on fight feeling of just being this fucking, <laughs> just didn't know what the fuck was going yeah. on. And you came out of it covered in blood, being a bit like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Uh, but no, I think in this, like, is that slow considered? It is a bit like Monster Hunter. And if they can combine that with a bit of kind of Dragon's Dogma style physicality. Yeah. And, and certainly they I seem to be, you seem to be only controlling one character. Presumably the rest will be programmable or something. The thing I've realized I didn't finish before is that someone was joking that the best thing in the trailer. Uh-huh. Is the characters yawning, and there's and it's if you watch it back, there are at least two or three shots where a character they're just tired, they're in a car, they're yawning. There's a shot in it where the car stops in a lake. It's like a vista full of dinosaurs because it's Final Fantasy, and they, they get out of their ridiculous Audi Jaguar combo, and they're just stretching, and they're like, oh, I feel like shit. And it was really weird for me to watch because that is something so integral to life. You know, everyone's been in a car, everyone drives cars. And I had never before in a video game seen it try and model how exhausting and weird cars are. Well, that's, that's one of the other reasons that I'm really excited about uh, Final Fantasy XV is the fact that, well, there's two other things. And the first thing is that, is the fact that they've actually tried to focus on like the simplicity. I'm going to jump in. A thing. I've just realized what I want to say. Do you remember playing Final Fantasy VII and everyone talking about the train? There's a bit in a train yeah, and you no. walk between yes. carriages. And everyone and it took the top of everyone's heads off because no one had really made a train feel plausible in the game. And this is it doing the same thing. I realise it now. Final Fantasy XV is doing cars and it's taking a studio... Which is so absurd that like we have this studio... Final Fantasy as an IP is is summarised by these ridiculous vistas and supernatural monsters. And yet, always as a series, it's had that attention to detail. Okay, when at its best, it's yeah. gone, let's do a train, let's do a dance, let's do a theme park, but let's do it better than any game has done it before. Yeah. So but also, like, it's like, for me, one of the things I liked about the trailer in terms of what it suggests for the game is the fact that it, it's it's moving away from the... the it's, it's like all of the guys in the car, they all look really similar, right? It's just four dudes who look really similar. Now, usually you think that would be a criticism, being like, oh, just boring characters. But no, like, this is like... They're, they're clearly, clearly friends. They're, they're from clearly some friends. kind of social cast. They're, yeah, yeah they're, they're like, in the same way that teenage boys, when they're driving around town in their yes. mate's car, all kind of look and dress in the same way. <laughs> I like the fact that, I mean, I don't know if the final game will represent that, but I like the fact that it's this sense of these guys, they are having almost mundane conversations about the politics of the world and stuff. They're not being like, we've got to save the princess. They're just saying, oh, you heard about us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're tired, they're driving around. And it is that sense of, of having a more personal ball down story because that's what people forget about Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. was everybody's like Final Fantasy VII. They're like, oh yeah. Um, Sephiroth. Sephiroth. And the, it, summons. But it wasn't really about that. No, I remember the first thing that made me stunned in that game when I was like 15 or whatever was... Um, you kind of finish a bit of story and you're in the secret base of the rebels and Cloud like walks up to Barrett and Barrett's like, oh yeah, I suppose you want to get paid. And he says something, and he basically gives you money that was me- from a stash that was meant for Marlene, his daughter's school. Yeah. It's actually because he's a horrible black analog. He says schoolin and then it goes I-N apostrophe rather than putting a G on it. But, uh, but it's, but that was just such a weird granular yeah. human thing. 
and it's awesome. it was about those characters and yeah. it was about like it was the fact that like you kind of had, you some of the characters like Cloud had known for a while some of them hadn't and it was like really the, the, the reason that Final Fantasy 7 was so affecting was it wasn't really about Sephiroth and the meteor and even though that's you know the meme that everyone remembers in Sephiroth and <laughs> it was about this group of people and the fact that some of them were friends some of them became friends and yeah. some of them didn't really know each other that well and and that's what carries you through that game it's the, it's the incidental conversations between the characters and there's been a sense recently of having like uh, the characters too closely linked to the grander picture into an obvious way like you know one of the characters is an escaped like you know monarch who's on the like, yeah and, well Mass Effect did that to a large and Mass Effect is quite guilty of that I think all the characters were I mean, you know it was a yeah. conscious decision but the characters were all the best at what they did they were they it, it was very inhuman in that way. I mean, even in Star Trek, which is obviously the closest analogue to Mass Effect, the characters are like, you know... They're a bit average. Riker used to date this girl, and that subtext <laughs> is in every fucking scene with Riker and that girl. If you watch The Next Generation, I, I say that girl, can't remember her name. But, but, <laughs> the you psychic know, lady. Yeah, when Deanna is going on a mission that's dangerous, Riker always, you see him bristling. Yeah. And Mass Effect is actually quite inhuman for that exact reason. yeah. The characters are all it, it tries to apply it afterwards. That's the thing with Mass Effect. It applies the relationship afterwards. It's like, here's this person who's best in the universe of this. Oh, but their brother's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it tries to add the human, it tries to clinically kind of add the human yeah. element after. Which is ridiculous because if you have all these inc- intense personalities on a ship, what's going to be far more relevant is not like uh, my cousin it's it's what's happening on the ship. But I'm really hoping that what they do with this new game is, is what they've done in the, in the best in the best Final Fantasy games, either having collections of people who know each other a bit, getting embroiled in stuff. And if you have one character involved, that's why. I mean, I think Final Fantasy VI was one of the most successful for that. And the fact mm. that the whole story really was um, about normal people um, getting embroiled in something bigger. And the fact that this one character, Terra, was this just weird girl who had powers and ended up protecting her just because she was this poor girl who was being like chased around by these really evil people with robots and everyone was just like no we gotta look after her like yeah for different reasons yeah for different reasons like some people because they hated the empire and they wanted to have their reasons but it was the fact that this group of people who kind of already knew each other to a degree got embroiled in something Mm. bigger and you know what it's Final Fantasy has always had like a hard rap from western developers because it's ridiculous and it is ridiculous but you have to give it its dues that it was doing these things and still like you know a good Final Fantasy game is exploring more human sides of personalities more than more than anything else. I mean, we give so much praise to like Telltale for their like really human stories, and you know, you've got this racist character, and his daughter just wants to protect him, and that in The Walking Dead, obviously. But you know, no <laughs> one <their> studios. <laughs> <laughs> no one gives Final Fantasy VIII credit for just trying to have a bunch of really plausible students who are actually quite boring and trying to do relationships. <laughs> On a really, really, uh, what, I don't know what. I had never thought about that. that. They're just, they're just being boring assholes. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, that was how I got through half of that game. Uh, I mean, eight is weak on that front because I think, yeah, it, it's too. It was too trying to be too flashy straight away. It was like, yeah, you're fighting a dinosaur. Mm. And you know, when you're fighting a dinosaur, that was fucking exciting. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it went in too fast with that, and it meant you had this collection of characters who so you didn't really have any real feeling for why they were friends or why they knew each other. Like, I mean, Squall was an asshole. There like, is why one they don't even like scene it. in front of. Fantasy VIII I did really like, which is, again, a lot of the reason I like Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy as a series has never shied away from its characters failing, and I think Western games pretty much never do that. You never have Marcus Phoenix failing and having the weight of that, but the the sniper who you end up recruiting in FF8 
and you just like, you've got one job. You've got one job and it's to kill the sorceress character. We're going to put you in this watchtower and you're going to do it. And he's like, fine, I'm the best, I'm the best. And then you take him up to the watchtower and it's the big emotional peak of the first half of the game. And you go find him and he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't have the entire weight of this world on my shoulders. I can't do take the shot. And he takes the shot and he misses. Or it doesn't really work. And then he kind of sits down and you know that that moment, like he fucked up and that's his character. He's a fuck up and it's about redemption. Yeah, and this is these are all really interesting themes, which in the West we haven't really touched. Well, even the strongest thing with Six is the fact that the villain you're supposed to be fighting in Six is painted as being like a useless Joker. He's painted as being a mid-level boss, and so you laugh. At him. <laughs> he's useless. He's stupid. Kefka. He's, he's an idiot. Like he's he's a Joker, and then you realise that he's not the mid-level boss. He is the bad guy. He's the real bad guy. <laughs> and it's just the way it's like you go from having no respect for him at all and no, oh, whatever, you're an idiot, to being like, oh, God. Like, he does some stuff and you're just like, oh, yeah. my God. I like, think he's actually evil, He's actually like, in a way that is and like, far more dangerous because that comic side of him leads to him making decisions that are far worse. Yeah, than, he just does stuff that is just psychotic just yeah. because he's like, he doesn't care. I think we've reached a point now, probably with Western games, with the advent of like the indie scene and, you know, obviously games like The Last of Us with AAA investing so much of their resources into crafting a story that it's probably time to, yeah, it's, it's worth looking back at a lot of these older Japanese games that were forging ahead in strange fronts back in the West when we were doing, you know, like Half-Life and Deus Ex being the pinnacles of story in Planescape, which are great games, but they were sort of standout and being developed in isolation, whereas probably now it's time to... Look. I think we're going to see a resurgence because I think there's a... And it's weird because actually... Of Japanese story related. Yeah, well, I think so because I honestly feel like there's been a lot of... Another thing is, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, like, you know, kind of the, the old generations of Japanese games. And there's a... The thing is with, uh, with a lot of stuff I've been seeing recently about, like, a lot of gamers being frustrated with changes and stuff... Um, I think Japanese games play a big part in that because it's what most of us grew up with, right? Mm -hmm. And we're, a lot of people are annoyed that people don't make games like that anymore. But it's like, really the fault of that wasn't so much the zeitgeist. It was the fault of Japanese game developers not... Um, there was a drop in quality. They couldn't keep up with certain elements and they start their games start to be a bit bad. Well, there was a massive lack, sort of loss of confidence, really. So yeah. early... Well, no, circa mid to late noughties where the... The, the sort of the heart fell out of the Japanese games industry scene due to I, God knows what caused it but then less games got made and the games that got made were a lot safer they seem to be struggling with the tech as well like in terms of like you know I don't know they, they, they just seem to be struggling to keep up and then we saw stuff like Square Enix obviously investing really heavily in Western IP and it's like that wasn't really a fault of the zeitgeist it was more them just going they kind of gave up in a way they kind of went well no one's really buying Japanese games anymore, so I guess we'll just make games that are like Western games. It's like <laughs> really heavily into like Hitman Absolution, which I really enjoyed, to be fair. And um, and like Tomb Raider, again, it's a good game. And obviously a lot of IPs then got given over to um, Western developers, games like Devil May Cry. Of course, DMC is actually the best Devil May Cry game, in my opinion. It's so, maybe not the best, but I think it's up there. Um, it definitely isn't up there. And obviously Ace Combat and Silent Hill and other games that I can't remember. That's it. They basically handed over a lot of stuff to Western developers because, as you say, I think a lot of it came down to a lack of confidence and this feeling that Western developers will do a better job of making games that Western audiences want. And then suddenly now we've got the, you know, Kojima Silent Hill, which looks astonishing, and then obviously... Yeah. Bloodborne is single-handedly selling PS4s. Final Fantasy XV looks stunning. It's That's the thing is, it, it seems to me that Bravely Default was the, the bit of the change when the fact they suddenly Square Enix surprisingly went, 
oh god um, you guys still love JRPGs it's like yeah you've made a fucking awesome JRPG and we've all bought it because it's amazing and I, I hopefully that I'm really hopeful that that's actually reignited Square Enix's confidence to not just be a company that tries to chase after making kind of you know acceptable shiny western games but actually goes back to its roots and just does a really good job of making great Japanese games yeah and you know what it's not I'm not I'm not going to be one of these people who say Japanese games are better but I believe in diversity above all things yeah, the games absolutely industry. you want western games you want Japanese games you want indie games you want women making games you want men making games you want minorities making games you want all of this because it leads to a more culturally diverse better hobby but the most exciting thing for me about the new Final Fantasy is the fact that Final Fantasy has always had tropes it's always had uh, like you know uh, themes running through them all like stick a rock like yeah. you know, there's a guy called Sid who's got an airship yeah, like, yeah. Know, it's like you know there are, there's what's the, well, the two guys called there's two soldiers oh fucking Biggs and Biggs and Wedge yeah, Wedge, yeah. like Bob and Rocksteady yeah yeah there's there's always this stuff that is in all of them and that was fun at first that was like oh you know it's a, it's kind of a, a running gag but then it became this thing with the more recent Final Fantasy games that it just felt like Final Fantasy games were just being made for really devout hardcore Final Fantasy fans and like every new Final Fantasy game that came out was just like it just looked like a Final Fantasy game what I always loved about Final Fantasy was the fact that every one was a bit different this new one doesn't look like it's obviously a Final Fantasy game but but it's not like the, the visual design has been stuck in a rut for like years no what you say yes I guess it has but you know what I wonder if it is because uh I was talking to my girlfriend about this and saying how excited I was about the trailer, just spamming her with it on Gchat. And she was saying like, oh, well, maybe it'll be good, but maybe it won't because Final Fantasy has been bad. And I thought about it. And actually, Final Fantasy has always come, gone back and forth. It's always been a you know great game followed by a mediocre one, followed by a great game. Like, sometimes the mediocre games would be like a couple at a time. But I'm wondering if that's like what happened with, uh, you know, the classic Batman Arkham Asylum thing, where what happened with Rocksteady was apparently this makes business sense. Whereas a studio, you give your IP to another studio and obviously don't do as good a job because they don't have the funding, they don't have the talent, they don't have the time. And then it, and then you come back like as this sort of savior of the brand. And I'm wondering if Final Fantasy has different internal studios. Well, that's the thing. It's the, the, the transparency about development processes in Japan is just completely different. Like, yeah, it's, it's opaque. Just, you just have no idea. We just don't know. Yeah, because yeah. they don't even do like so much the studio tours in the same way that... Yeah. So, but I mean, maybe that's it. Like, because Final Fantasy V was being worked on concurrently with 14, 15 is be, was being worked on with 14. So maybe 14 was the B team, like Dark Souls 2. And I'm excited. I think it's an exciting time. I think it was a real shame when, uh, when yeah, Japan just lost confidence. And I think it feels it's great to see it coming back. Yeah. Because I've still got a massive desire and a demand for those games. And you know what else? Like, t- Tokyo Game Show happening right now as we record this. Like, the Silent Hill trailer looks, I mean, it's only a, it's only a, I think, proof of concept kind of thing but that's scary as hell and just really masterfully After crafted all the bollocks they, like that downfall like you know just oh. yeah no and then suddenly they give it back to like a Japanese studio with Kojima I don't know how much influence Kojima's doing but I've heard Guillermo del Toro has like is just doing nothing it's probably for the best yeah probably but uh, but yeah it just looks astonishing and I haven't have you played PC because you're PS4 so I'm, not, I'm not a, I'm not a scary games man oh. I'm like a wet paper bag on legs <laughs> okay fine. I can't really deal with it uh, we're slightly over, but should we do a couple of questions? Let's do a couple of questions. Okay. Uh, while you're looking for questions, I'm going to ramble about the Banner Saga. Because I've started playing the Banner Saga. Oh, well, I haven't played that yet, but you can talk about that next time. Oh, okay. But, but tell me about it. Well, basically, I wish I'd played it sooner because it's really, really good. Really? Well, I, I know, I mean, I, I think uh, Brat, Chris Brat, oh, yeah. Video Gamer, reviewed it for Video Gamer and he played it a lot. He was really into it. And what he was telling me about it, like, it sounded like it was 
bit like King of Dragon Pass, which I'm continuing. Yeah, to that's the better things about it. What I wasn't expecting is that with everybody talking about how it's this grid-based combat game, actually the grid-based combat, you know, you spend a lot of time doing that, but it's not that good. And what's amazing are the decisions you have to make. Heartbreaking, really difficult, plausible decisions. None of this renegade, paragon, light side, evil choice bullshit. It's like, do you want to do this, this, or this? And they're all really plausible. And you go, oh, being a leader is really hard. And then you click on one of them and something awful happens because you made the wrong choice. And that's fine because it's a really tense, beautiful story. A really tense, beautiful story. Well, I've got about Vikings. About Vikings, and I like Vikings. Giants. Half of your group are giants. I like big Vikings, and I cannot They're lie. They're so big, Matt. They're huge. They've got like horns. Oh, this is too hot for me. I can't deal with it. No, it's fine. Um, here's a question for you: If you were Kojima, what PR stump would you pull at E3? This is an old question. No, it's not even actually. It's 21 days ago. So, what, what would you do? Did you see what um, I'd go out dressed like? If I was Kojima, I think Kojima should rock up on stage dressed in quiet outfit, <laughs> just to silence people like me. Uh, do you know? Like, I'll wear it. <laughs> Went quite. Oh, what? The, oh, wow. A sexy sniper. That'd be really good. If he walked out in that and said. I'll fucking wear it. I'll wear it. <laughs> then I'd just be like, all right, done. Fair enough. Whatever. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would do what The Knife did at that Music Awards a while back and I'd walk on with a horrible, rubbery, melted face and just talk in abstracted kind of... Yeah, but The Knife are bad, man. The Knife had a good album. I mean, they had an amazing album. First album. Silent Shout Silent is Shout. an incredible... So we've gone to music now. Silent Shout's great. Silent Shout. Everything else after it. Incredible album. Kind of mediocre. I did like a couple of songs on the next one. But I had a friend who went to a gig of theirs recently and apparently it was just a bunch of dancers dancing to the album being played they weren't even <laughs> and they were like oh it's a concept it's like no it's it a concept a, it that's was a, amazing it was like a 50 or 40 50 quid ticket and it was just somebody they were just playing the album I was really surprised <laughs> unbelievable to uh, did you know Death From Above uh, 19 uh, I know of them I, I, they're always one of those bands that are like obscenely cool but I've never really got into they were, they were very cool back in the time but they've just released a new album inexplicably after like 10 years of just not being together which is crazy it's really good so, uh, so we got off topic a bit there. We've got we've got tons of questions this week. Apologies. That's Jim Rossignol. Yeah, let's let's, let's uh, have Jim Rossignol's question. He says, "I'd like to know if Quinns would rather be twice as tall or twice as wide as he is now." Wow, that's really difficult. I've just finished watching Twin Peaks, uh, and that has a really tall man. I think I think I don't really know. Creepy. I'll let you answer for yourself. But. Well, no, no. Clearly, you you know what would be best in my well, life. I think man. if you were twice as wide, you would look odd. You'd certainly look odd, but if you were twice as tall, you'd yeah. look really weird. You'd just, be, <laughs> you'd just be incompatible with life. Uh, if I was twice as wide, I wouldn't be able to wear an Oculus Rift, though. Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to stand anywhere. No, because if I was twice as tall, I could just like curl up into a fetal position and then still play an Oculus Rift and stay in my bedroom and no one could look at my shame. I don't think the tech is up for that yet, but uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott Grant says, does Destiny offer enough to keep you warm? playing during the gaps between DLC releases. We talked about this earlier, but basically I think, yes, providing you are reasonable about how much you want to play it. That's, I, know, I know that sounds insane because the problem is it's like, stop having fun. Go and do something else. But um, I kind of feel like, yeah, no, if you, if you want to keep playing it for hours and hours every day, you will get bored. But if you just want to go on a few times a week, so what you're saying yeah. is you, you eat your vegetables yeah, and then you greens, play Destiny and do your homework. you go to bed at 11pm. Yeah, precisely. Go to bed at 11pm. No funny business. And then Destiny's great. Um, Tiny Pineapple Man, that's a fantastic name, uh, says, what's the best way to get friends or family to try lo-fi masterpieces like Papers, Please? 
Question. You just for people just at home. That. Matt just gestured violently at my face, casting the question as if to at go. Me. You're going to deal with that. One. Oh wow! Like so much uh, rubbish. Um, okay. What you know? I've done this. I have had friends and sat them down. They've never played video games, and I've gone. This is Proteus. Give it a whirl. And I've never been more angry. Like just. <laughs> <laughs> like just, just, just some because what you forget, you assume that some, this is a really negative answer, and obviously I'm all about getting people into games. But you do forget, in addition to not always having the skills, the motor skills built in to to play these things and control something like an FPS. A lot of times, some people won't have the artistic lens to actually go, oh well, this is really cool. This is interesting. I see what they did there, and that's just the end of the world because yeah, suddenly you've tried to show them a game and they've what they've done is they've come away with an even worse opinion of your hobby but uh, I don't know I'd probably link them to some writing about papers please before I'd make anyone play that's it. probably actually the smartest answer or video yeah I don't know maybe not even video because I think with video like if you don't play it then they're just going to be like what the fuck is this you know what what I would do is I would just start dressing really cool and like you know have, get, grow like a really floppy fringe and whenever anyone asks you well, what are these video games you play you flop your fringe over to one side and you go huh. uh, yeah I posted my papers please but you, you wouldn't you wouldn't like understand it, it. yeah that's actually that's probably the best answer <laughs> <laughs> oh it's this game called papers please it's about uh, immigration you wouldn't get it yeah uh, you it's about it. uh, the politics of decaying uh, Eastern European society but uh, uh, you wouldn't get it you wouldn't you totally wouldn't appreciate they'll it they'll be playing it in 12 hours yeah, they'll be playing it until they get it <laughs> furiously hating it but going I will get this yeah. I will not let you beat me you bastard um, Luke Summerhay says why is Freddie Prince Jr. not more famous he's a beautiful man I don't think I think that's more of a, a uh, oh, go on yeah there's not really an answer to that question unfortunately is there? it's more of a if we knew you know he, we would be doing that right now yeah, I mean, I think making I think that change. We would, do, we would do something, but obviously, we we can't go into details because if we knew how to fix that problem, then we would. We would probably do it to ourselves. I mean, we're games journalists. We've got to save the world. That's, that's <laughs> this like in Heroes. Wait, did you not get the memo that we have to end the world now? What we have to take? No, dude, we have to take games from everybody. We have to destroy. We the can't world. stop until video games are ruined. Ah, oh. I know. Well, it's just annoying because I've spent quite a lot of time I know, so have I. doing <laughs> stuff that saves the world. I've, if I'd known, I would have started like... Oh. Well, it's all right. I mean, we're still on track for next Wednesday. Either. We are, yeah. It doesn't, we I mean, are. it's quite similar. It's one of those things. You just, it's like a, a, an atomic bomb, atomic power. You know, it's just, it's, you just change. You just few, change what you do. Turn a few pluses into minuses. You minus change a few verbs. You start using barn door uh, transitions rather than um This place will be d d d toast uh, within the end of the year. And finally, finally question, Zuma. 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 What would uh um I haven't you know I haven't Zuma. played I haven't played Zuma in years. Have you not? No, I haven't played it. It's like a classic frog frog based puzzler. Frog based. It's a classic. I haven't played it in years. I used to be uh, I used to really enjoy it, but I haven't played it in years. I definitely remember um uh I used to play it. No, I no, I was I was what? Zuma. Zuma. Uh, goodbye.